0: Welcome to TC Daily, the technology show brought to you by Tech Central. If you haven't subscribed yet, do so on YouTube at youtube.com/slash techcentral or subscribe to our daily newsletter at techcentral.co.za slash. Newsletter. Now, we're having a bit of a multi-choice time here at uh, Tech Central. Earlier this week, we had Nico Shiburi, the CEO of Multi-Choice South Africa in the studio. And I'm very pleased to welcome another top exec from Multi-Choice. And that's Barry Dubovsky, who's Chief Operating Officer of MultiChoice Connected Video. Good to see you and thanks for coming to the Thank studio. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me. Very exciting.
0: Great. Now, Barry, uh, uh, in those few words, I think our our reviewers and listeners will have already picked up that you have an Australian accent. Correct. How did you end up working for an African pay TV operator?
1: Great question. I had no idea what I was in for, (laughs) um, but just mutual contacts uh, originally reached out um, from uh, businesses that I worked in in Australia, and Mm -hmm. uh, an opportunity came up to to sniff out what multi-choice was all about, and the the comment was, you know, you're based in Dubai, you look after sub-Saharan African markets, and I was working in the in the digital space originally and when you get a question like that or an opportunity like that you immediately start asking more questions than the other person has answers around Mm -hmm. so it was all a bit of a whirlwind experience and then before you know it it's been almost five years now it's my third role within multi-choice and um i think the connected video space is really the most exciting one for me at the moment and it's uh a really progressive space to be involved in. So I'm, I'm really enjoying it.
0: Great. So you were headhunted into multi-choice. Yeah. Uh, t- tell us a bit about your background though. You, you're, um, you used to work for Telstra, I believe.
1: Correct. Yeah. So yeah. I was into telcos. Telstra was um, one of the Australia's biggest telcos. I was there for about uh, three years or so. And mm-hmm. prior to that, I worked at Deloitte for about six and a bit years as well, um, just in consulting. And, you know, they, they call it you know, a great career, initial career start around procrastination. We don't know what to do. And you kind of sniff out different industries different types of uh, jobs and engagements and really started progressing into the into the digital space and that's where I ended up, um, you know, since then.
0: Okay. And were you in Dubai when you were headhunted or...? No. You no. Were
1: all I knew, Dubai had a very large building and there was a lot of sand, <laughs> so I didn't know much about Dubai. Again, when, when the opportunity came, I kind of was, it was very overwhelming with the cities, the countries and what was going on, so yeah. it was all a lot to take in. and. Uh, yeah, I did a look and see trip for a couple of days just mm-hmm. to see what Dubai was all about. It seemed okay, you know. <laughs> it had what I thought it needed to have. And before I knew it, I was there. And then, yeah, now it's been yeah, just uh, just under five years. Right,
0: right. Okay. So, so you're, you're based in Dubai. You, that's where you're headquartered out of. is actually quite a big operation there now, doesn't it? Who sits in Dubai? Who sits in Joburg? How does it work?
1: Yeah, look, I think we've got some of the executive team. A lot of the, I guess, the strategic minds sit in, in, the, in the Dubai office. It's mm-hmm. not particularly big. I'd say there's no more than 15 people oh, in Dubai, yeah, okay. right? Um, but uh, you've obviously got Calvo and, and Intiaz who are based out of Dubai, and uh, obviously, my my boss uh, Yelisa, she's she's based there um, right. in the connected video space. So there's a handful of uh, resources, and obviously, you know, we travel to to, to SA quite a lot. That's where the yep. bulk of the team is, and particularly now on the connected video side, and, and with Showmax pushing into some of the rest of um, Africa markets mm-hmm. like Nigeria, etc. Now that demands a little bit more travel into those markets as well. And mm-hmm. we've recently st- um, built up a team in in Nigeria and really kind of taking that um, that market really seriously and, and really trying to grow there.
0: So is it a travel related thing that you're based in, in Dubai? It's easier to get into markets in West Africa, exactly. East Africa, etc. Exactly.
1: You're kind of yeah. centrally positioned, right, and just enables a lot of travel opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's been the thinking. I mean, it was all set up before I got there, but uh, it seems to work, right. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, I'm, I'm on the road quite a lot, so, yeah. but I'm enjoying it.
0: Okay, so tell me a bit about your role and your portfolio at MultiChoice. what does it encompass exactly
1: yeah so it's um, essentially looking after the operations of the connected video business and um, essentially that spans both the dstv uh, streaming environment and what we're responsible for there is the product and then the engineering side of the equation right and then we've also got showmax obviously and that's an end-to-end um, accountability commercial accountability around that product and you know ensuring the mm the growth and the subscriber you know objectives and kpis and all that kind of stuff so essentially the full portfolio there spans everything from marketing pr all the way through to product analytics all those sorts of things so it's a very busy space but uh yeah it's 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 great yeah
0: uh, Showmax, uh um, when it was launched, uh, I forget when it was now. Maybe you you, you can run it before your time. Before
1: my time, I think it's been it just had a seventh seventh birthday. Seventh birthday. Yeah.
0: There we go. When it was launched, it was it was launched as a very independent business, uh, quite quite external to multi-choice. It had its own offices, and it's independent an independent management team, et cetera, et cetera. But it's become much more closely integrated into the multi-choice stable in recent years. What was the strategic thinking behind? Sort of bringing it into the fold if you like
1: yeah look i think uh it needed its opportunity to to to, to ultimately come together as an individual entity and to kind of start up um in its, in its own kind of space but we obviously recognize that there's a lot of opportunity to leverage the broader dstv ecosystem right there's a lot of learnings working alongside a business that's been running for for many decades and you know there's a lot of benefit i guess being associated with let's say a bigger brother like like the broader D, you know dstv yeah. environment so it's something that we continue to, to work through and, and to think about in, in terms of, you know, marketing support, general experience around operating in markets like um, in Nigeria, which obviously, again, is, is quite different to where Showmax has historically focused. So we get a lot of insights working with, our, I guess, our DSTV, our GoTV and the broader multi-choice mm-hmm. ecosystem and those colleagues.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Barry, take us through, and we can get a little bit technical here because our audience is quite tech savvy. Maybe take us through what, what it's like, day-to-day operations of running a video streaming company.
1: Yeah, look, there's, it's a multifaceted space, right? I mean, we've got quite a sophisticated product and engineering space, right? And we're obviously continually looking at global trends in terms of where the industry is moving and exactly the type of you know, focal points in terms of initiatives and transformative ideas that we can come up with and how we actually execute against them. I think we have to be very data-led, mm-hmm. right? We always look at every part. It's a digital business at the end of the day, right? And some of the things that I'm particularly interested in is understanding... Essentially how our customers engage with our property, right, all the way through from signing up, right, the types of payment options that they're using, mm-hmm. what the drop-off points are across the funnel, all the way through to the type of content that they end up watching, mm-hmm. right? So everything needs to be supported by data, and that really does drive a lot of the transformative initiatives that we're looking at. Because, as I said, we continue to look at best practice globally, and that infuse, that, that ultimately infuses into the type of work that we do.
0: Mm-hmm. It's interesting that, um, I guess, in, in streaming, it's, it's much more possible to know exactly what your customers are interested in, demanding, et cetera, whereas in the traditional pay TV environment, I mean, imagine that's much more difficult. I mean, there's obviously Nielsen Research and all those other research companies that can then help traditional pay TV companies, but you have an amazing granularity of data in terms of what you can know about your customers. Does that inform your day-to-day decision-making about what content stays on the platform, what you add, et cetera?
1: Everything is dictated by data. I think um, one of the big areas that we're really focusing in on is, is content discovery. Mm. Right. And what we really focus on is understanding, you know, what time of the day customers are watching what, right, what kind of content appeals to them for different demographics, right? And and continuing to use, I guess, a lot of, you know, churn propensity modeling is something else that we particularly look at to understand, you know, what kind of attributes is a customer displaying before they end up churning. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're just continually getting smarter around our customer base and we use that to inform all of our broader yeah.
0: interventions. Right. You must be able to make some pretty accurate descriptions and, and know. Based on previous behavior of other customers, that this customer there's a eighty percent chance that he's going to cancel in the next seven days. Exactly,
1: and that also applies right up to the top of the funnel in terms of lookalike audiences and finding the best way to attract someone that they ultimately come into our funnel, become a customer, yeah. and then those strategies are I guess you know redeployed and mm-hmm. I guess continually finessed to get you know maximum subscribers coming yeah. through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, so let's talk a bit about 4K because that's uh, I think that's the exciting news. It's in multi-choice broadly, not just in Showmax. Uh, we had, as I mentioned, uh Niko Shiburi in the studio, and he mm. spoke about the launch of, of the World Cup on DSTV in 4K in November. But you're going to be doing the same thing on Showmax. In your Showmax Pro tier, uh, you're going to be launching also the, the, the Football World Cup, the FIFA World Cup in Qatar, which runs, I think, from the... Um, is it the 18th of December? Sorry, the 18th of November to the 20th of December, or have we got it the other way around? I think,
1: uh, is it the 20th now? They just moved it out. Uh, did I think, yeah, uh, but it's, it's 20th, 20th November to the 18th. To, I think so, somewhere oh, around. Right, right. Yeah. right. Correct.
0: So, uh, obviously, a, a big showcase that happens every four years, and uh, you, you mentioned when we spoke a year ago that you were going to do it this year, and you... you had uh, to on, commit to you. You're on track to doing it. Um, we're just weeks away from the, the, the launch of the World Cup. Uh, what's been involved? Take us through the the technical background in terms of what you've had to do to get ready for this.
1: Look, I think it's all been focused around stability and making sure that the customer experience is is as optimized, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's been a lot of reviewing around the performance of um, you know our existing environment and understanding how we need to fortify to mm-hmm. to ultimately deliver a four k experience. Um, it re- It requires a lot more it puts a lot more strain, I guess, on our back-end environment, right, because it's, it's a lot more demanding in terms of bandwidth and network capacity and all those sorts of things. So obviously those are the things that we were monitoring and, and progressively developing mm-hmm. over the last, you know, 12 months in preparation for the, for the World Cup. Yep. Um, but I think the key thing for me with the World Cup and 4K is to make sure that customers are getting a fluid experience. Right, that there's no um, you know, uh, rebuffering and yeah. there's no stability constraints because it's all well and good, you know, offering you know, a, a higher resolution that's a more engaging and more immersive experience. But in the event that things slow down or mm. if there's issues with stability, then all the benefits that you've picked up as a result of deploying something like 4K go out the window. Yeah. So it's something that we obviously need to, need to really prepare very tightly. Um, and what we've been doing is running some kind of ad hoc Tests behind the scenes mm-hmm. with the EPL um, recently um, yeah. and just testing out our 4k capabilities so so far so good and we're going to continue to evolve it essentially right up until the point that first yeah. game start and there's going to be a lot of monitoring in place to make sure that customers are, are getting a really good experience mm-hmm. um, and you know I think it's really exciting for us to, to finally live up to those expectations.
0: So has that, has that been internal testing you've been doing with the EPL, um, or have customers who've happened to tune in been able to get a 4K feed? They just read and realised it Correct. Yeah, we saw we mm. saw
1: customers. I mean, we obviously nothing was ever marketed, and it was just done very is, isolated, just to give ourselves a real life environment sure. test of of what it could look like when the when the World Cup starts. Mm. And but we did see quite a few customers comment on social media and say oh I just got the the 4K feed for the for the football and mm. I think it was really positive so yeah. if we can continue to to maintain that level of of positivity and you know really good experiences then we're on to a winner.
0: Great. So are you going to be broadcasting all games in the World Cup in 4K? That's right. Right. Yeah. How many is that? It's 50 something 64 64 games. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Amazing. Great stuff. So um, so what what happens after the World Cup do you uh, continue to broadcast selected content in 4K? Do you take the whole service 4K at some point?
1: So I think we obviously need to see how, how the World Cup performs. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a pivotal moment to kind of define, you know, essentially how successful, um, hopefully, we have been, you know, delivering that service. And then obviously from there, we, we need to reconvene and then understand, well, what is our, our kind of our longer term play around 4K? I mean, 4K is part of it, right? But at the same time, we're really focusing in on, other really relevant um, bits of functionality that's that supports a local African consumer mm-hmm. right so you've got the 4k which is on one side of the equation you've also got the bandwidth capping the low data usage right and, and some of those bits of functionality uh, to essentially enable customers to more customers to access our product mm-hmm. so you've kind of trying to cover off both sides of the equation and we're going to continue looking after both kind of the 4k side of the world mm-hmm. as well as the the network capping and, and kind of download functionality and, you know, late, low data usage um, environments yeah. um, going forward as because well. Because you really
0: do have both uh, both sets of customers in the same country here in South Africa, just here in South Africa, for exactly. example. You've got guys who, who watch on mobile, uh, mobile connections who, who really can't afford to pay for 4K stream onto their device, if the device even supports 4K. Yep. And then you've got guys with uncapped fiber um so you've got to appeal to both markets yeah
1: And i mean what, what's been exciting as well is we've recently deployed um hd on mobile for for our live football offering as well oh, yeah. and um look as recently as this this weekend when i flew into sa i'd had a lot of time in immigration and i was going through the experience watching i think it was the the man city liverpool game and you know, just monitoring. I guess the quality of the of the experience, mm-hmm. and it was it was genuinely first rate. Like okay. it, it did not buffer. There was no, and I was I was on roaming as well, so my my network strength wasn't particularly great either. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, I tested it out, and it was working flawlessly. So that's the intent for us to continue yeah. on that trajectory.
0: Yeah, I'm quite interested in the Showmax Pro product as a as a. As a a pro- as a product, it's uh, uh, obviously Showmax came first as an entertainment offering costing, I think it was 99 Rand a month at launch. I think it still is 99 Rand a month, Correct. or you could get it for less or even free if you're on some DSTV. Correct, yeah. Uh, you then, much, a couple of years later, launched Showmax Pro, uh, which added a whole lot of um, channels like um, sports, uh, live sports, uh, live news channels, and, and one or two other things. Yeah,
1: more sports documentaries yeah. as well. Yeah.
0: What was the thinking behind launching Showmax Pro, and is there any, th- any product like it in the world?
1: I'm personally a massive sports fan, right? I'll start with that. I'm I'm thrilled with where we're where we're at at the moment with Showmax Pro, and we're obviously going to continue to evolve. But the thinking was, look, we've got a whole different set of target customers who want to access, you know, sport, football predominantly, in in different ways, right? I think one of our key mantras is all about accessibility, right, and making sure that we connect more customers or enable them to experience. You know football and all the all the content that Showmax Pro provides, mm. um, you know, in a new and innovative innovative way, right? So, for us, I think you know historically the price point for Showmax Pro was was not where it needed to be relative to the market. We've made you know quite a few adjustments as recently as over the last month. You know, mm. we've we've took the price down twice, right? We did a permanent price down, and now we're sitting at two ninety nine dollars for Showmax Pro on on Leanback, right? Which is a phenomenal price point for the type of content that you get. And what we're also doing as part of that is continuing to evolve that experience, right? And we're we're making the 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 immersive. We're we're bringing the game. Well, we're bringing the the football and the sports to customers in, in just very different ways, right? Mm. And just you know the ability to access content on demand. You know the ability to set reminders before games are starting. Where you know we've looked at different um, kind of other providers globally that offer sports properties and. Um, you know we're, we're stacking up against them. You know, yeah. We're, we're, I think the, the Showmax Pro product is is at a global level of quality, and yeah. that's yeah. really exciting.
0: Yeah, because we're, we're only starting to see global streaming names entering the sports space now. I mean, the biggest of them all, Netflix, isn't even in the live sports business. We've seen Amazon. I think Amazon was bidding for for the Indian cricket rights yeah. at, at one point. Yeah. I'm not sure if they won won those rights. I can't remember. Think in some markets, perhaps. In maybe. some yeah, markets, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Apple was was involved in some bidding. For for uh, some or other sports, I forget. Also, forget what what the details of that. So we're starting to see the the big global streaming companies just starting to te- to to dip their toes into this idea of, of live sports streaming. But you guys have been doing it for a while through through Showmax Pro. Um, do you do, you, do you, I mean do you expect how do you see expect to see the market shifting in terms of live sports going forward? Do you think it's become much more of a streaming a streaming owned proposition? Um, and traditionally it's been, you know, um, the likes of ESPN, your mm. cable companies, your satellite companies that have bought up sports rights, do you think, increasingly think that there's going to be competition from streamers for sports rights and how's that all gonna play out?
1: Yeah, I look, think? I think I mean I don't have a crystal ball, but I think it is inevitable. I think mm. the linear and the, the satellite based experiences still have, you know, significant amount of shelf life, right, particularly in Africa. But I think um, what's really exciting for us, I guess, is is working alongside our super sport colleagues. I mean, yep. everything is bundled into a single environment. I mean, the fact that you look at some of the global, um, I guess, you know, industry peers and content is heavily segmented and ag- and disaggregated across multiple pro- providers. You know, in the UK, for example, you probably need three or four different subscriptions to be able to get, you know, just the full season of the EPL, right? right? So for us, we yeah. don't have that issue, yeah. so, which is really exciting. And you can just bundle it into, into a into a single proposition. Mm. Right. Going forward, I mean, of course, there's going to be, you know, challenges around rights and all those sorts of things. Mm. And that's where the Supersport team needs to continue to keep an eye on, on the market. Um, but for us, I think the 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 priority is to make sure that the uh the digital and the the kind of the the product experience is effectively supporting the content that we have um available by mm.
0: Supersport. Mm-hmm. Do, do you, does multi-choice encourage competition internally? I know when, when Showmax was originally launched, I think one of the ideas behind it was to, was to kind of foster this creative destruction inside the organisation to, you know, here's a new let's learn about it outside of the traditional mm. ATV broadcasting mm. entity. It's now been brought into the, into the fold. Um, but do you still encourage, uh, does, as an entity, does multi-choice still encourage uh, competition between Showmax and DSTV? Um, and if, if there is that sort of competition, how do you make sure it doesn't become unhealthy?
1: Yeah, look, I, I don't necessarily see it as, as competition. I think we we are very clear on kind of the, the delineation of our target markets, right? So DSTV has, has got a very specific focus around the types of customers that they're going after, right. right? Whereas on the Showmax side, we've got our own, you know, target segments and cohorts that we really want to appeal to, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to see that going forward, I, I think, in terms of the marketing and the positioning that we put forward around Showmax and, and, and Showmax Pro in particular, we've got a bunch of World Cup ads, you know, starting to, to hit, you know, on air properties going mm. forward and billboards, and you know, we've got a particular brand persona that we're trying to, to cultivate, and I think that will quite clearly delineate the positioning that you would normally see with DSTV versus how we're approaching it um, within within a Showmax environment. So. I wouldn't necessarily say it's competition, but we we actually do work quite closely together to make okay. sure that overall we are capturing the full market mm-hmm. and appealing to customers on their terms relative to both
0: properties that True. we have. Understood. You you touched on um, the fragmentation of the media industry and and, uh, and the need for customers. You know, perhaps they have four different services to watch different types of content. I'm fascinated how, at, at how this is going to play out in the coming years. And we're keen to get a view from you on, on, on what consumers are going to demand going forward. Um, you know, at, at the moment, I've, I've, I just think of myself, I've got a smart TV at home. I probably have subscriptions to three or four, perhaps, perhaps even five or six uh, streaming services, which I which I fl- uh, uh, switch between. But it's quite difficult to find the content I'm looking for. You tend to fire up one app and look around, fire yep. up another mm-hmm. app and look around. Um, how do you see this playing out going forward? Um, I know that... Um, when we spoke to Niko Shiburi a few days ago about uh, DSTV Glass, uh, a lot of the initiative there is about making content easier to discover. Yep. Um, what, what do you think of the fragmentation that we've seen in, in broadcast and streaming and where is it going and what's, what's the ultimate solution to all of this? Going yeah,
1: to be? I think, look, I think multi choice has got a very clear position as being, you know, a super aggregator, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the reality is, as you say, the market is heavily fragmented um and the expectation is that's probably going to continue for some time you know there could be more convergence down the line you know i mean i don't have a crystal ball unfortunately but i think that that would be inevitable where you have multiple different um you know content providers that exist in the market i mean as i said when when i when i got here um, earlier in the week and and driving around you just see so much different entertainment options promoted on billboards Mm -hmm. and everywhere like you know clearly the entertainment wars are at our doorstep within South Africa, right? So I think what's most important for us, I think, is we obviously keep a pulse around the market and the new entrants and the type of content that's being, you know, promoted. Um, But we need to stick to our guns in terms of what's worked for, you know, multi-choice over over many years, right? And continue to, I guess, adapt the quality of the content that we're um, pulling together, but presenting it in different ways. And I guess that's really the... The genesis of, you know, or kind of the mantra rather of of what Showmax and Showmax Pro is from a mm-hmm. sports perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before I let you go, Barry, uh, I'm, I'm asking you to do a lot of prognostication today. <laughs> um, but uh, I just wanted to ask you about where you see the future of video entertainment going. Um, we've seen the rise of streaming. In recent years, has challenged the business models of traditional pay TV operators. Um, and, you know, that's going to continue for, for, for the foreseeable future. But um, particularly, I think, in the African context, what is this? How does this play out in the coming years? Does streaming eventually replace traditional cable or satellite based uh, pay television? At some point, I'm, I'm, I'm looking way into the future mm. now, say mm. 10 or 15 years from now. Will Africa take much longer to get there? Where do you think this is all headed?
1: Yeah, look, I think it will take time, right? Yeah. I think both business models uh, have very much got, you know, significant shelf life. Obviously, the yeah. streaming space is, is I guess, the new kid on the block, relatively speaking, right? And that's something that we're continually learning and exploring as to what th- what is the best way to deliver content this way, right? We still see across the continent that, you know, data in some markets, in particular in the rest of Africa, data is still a massive blocker, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's on their phone though. Everyone is on their phones in Lagos. Um, about a month or so ago and everyone's on their phone so we know that you know the we need to tap into into that space but But the challenge
0: is it's text though it's WhatsApp and that sort of thing not not video which is exactly very data hungry
1: but i guess the Mm. point is is going forward into the future um you know the expectation is that data will become more accessible right Mm. one thing that we continually look at is is relevant partnership opportunities as well to Mm. i guess reduce some of those barriers to entry for customers and i mean we're ultimately looking at the opportunity when we can unlock the broader market, yeah. right? And when that becomes, um, you know, more feasible, right, then you would expect that there'd be significant exponential growth. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no coincidence that the that the competition globally is looking at Africa because mm-hmm. the potential is is mammoth, mm-hmm. right? And it's something that because we've had so much experience on the continent and talking about, you know, ideas TV and, and the go TV colleagues across the rest of Africa, mm-hmm you know we've we've essentially got a really good opportunity for us to continue to tap into so going forward i think you know streaming is definitely a, a big part of the future right but it's it's ultimately how we can see or how we can you know foresee some of those broader barriers to entry progressively you know eradicate or become less of a of a of a hurdle and mm-hmm. um, and then you know we're expecting you know significant exponential growth so we need to be ready when that opportunity comes right
0: right well, it's been great to talk to you, Barry, and for your insights. Thank you for your insights into uh, the world of connected video. And I look forward to seeing the World Cup in 4K.
1: Excellent. Thanks for having me.
0: Barry Dubovsky, Chief Operating Officer of Multi-Choice Connected Video. Thank you for your time. Cool.
1: Thank you.